Welcome to the discussion, How Climate Analytics Strengthen National Security, sponsored by LMI. Here's today's moderator, Tom Temin. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are John Selman. He's the Vice President for National Security Programs at LMI and Dr. Erwin Villiger, a Principal for Sustainability at LMI. Good to have you both with us today. And sustainability, climate change, the effects on many parts of the United States and also on the military, military operations and national security. I think it's fair to say that is a high level, high priority topic nowadays in Congress and the administration. So let's get from the LMI standpoint, what, in your point of view, the potential national security or military outcomes, good or bad, uh, of climate change effects that are happening outside of the United States, because we are a highly engaged country all around the world. Thank you, Tom. And, you know, fundamentally, I would say whatever is going on out there in the world is of a concern to certainly our, our military, but also our, our national security. And that's why our national security community needs to be thinking about some of these issues. One of the drivers of the Arab Spring uh, was a consequence of persistent drought and uh, global food prices. And we've been involved in Syria ever since. Also, when we consider some of our allies, the refugee movement over the last decade or so into Europe includes many climate migrants and has contributed to social and political tensions in allied countries to include perhaps a, a contributing factor in, in Brexit and the instability we've seen in the European Union. But fundamentally, while climate change may not at this point be an existential threat to our country, perhaps like nuclear or biological weapons may be, it is a well-recognized threat multiplier that threatens the stability of any country and complicates the environment in which our allies and the US needs to operate. Uh, much of the effects are on people, their security, the risk of instability and uh, potential violence and humanitarian crises. And our US military needs to respond to those kinds of crises. And it is the only military that can respond around the world and, and at scale but its operations are, are also put at risk. Uh, LMI did a study looking at the F-35 platform and its uh, supporting infrastructure with our Climate IQ service. We're able to quantify climate risks uh, related to supply chain, to supporting facilities and to operations. And as the climate crisis proceeds, uh, that platform, the F-35 platform may not be available when we need it to be available and directly due to climate hazards. Extreme heat is another you know, climate risk that we are going to be facing. And if we're going to be putting our military personnel at risk, we need to understand what the impact of uh, extreme heat is going to have. I consider our you know, military personnel essentially our, our most precious resource. So it may change how uh, the Department of Defense seeks to operate and what mix of resources it wants to bring to a particular area, a particular crisis. The, the more we understand the consequences of climate impacts over there, the more secure we make our homeland. And frankly, that's what our Climate IQ service is about, bringing intelligence to the climate challenges our government is facing both here and, and abroad. So in other words, there's almost a layer cake of effects from climate all the way from simply operational issues like buried or 
flooded runways to changes in geopolitics that would affect the national security strategy at the at the at the strategic level. Oh, absolutely. The uh, you know many of these issues are are very um, kind of nuanced, and the you know the impacts on uh, you know geopolitical conditions, the the status of our neighbors, the impact on them of what's going on in the countries around them, and and being able to really get down and discern the the nuanced kind of intersection of you know, social factors, government factors, environmental factors. Um, to understand where people might be moving due to, to climate impacts. I mean, we know sure. that sea level rise is going to impact populations in low-lying areas, and that is going to have a knock-on effect wherever those people need to move to. But it also affects you know, U.S. national security from uh, potential increased damage from tropical storms, affecting uh, supply lines that we are dependent on, affecting the ability to operate in a particular area, uh, Etc. There, there are many and nuanced, and you really have to get down into the data to understand and to model the potential consequences. And that gets to the question, John, of what are some courses of action that the affected military agencies and civilian agencies, for that matter, it's an apparatus that carries out national security. What should they be thinking about, especially? that they have these analytical and data-based tools to help them guide their next course? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question, Tom. I, I think when we are talking about climate and change as it relates to national security and our national security, what's important to understand is that no region of the world will be spared from the effects of, of, a, of a changing climate. And when we think about the challenges and dilemmas of climate from an international perspective, there are countless examples of, of risks facing nation states. Some examples include food growing vulnerabilities. We've already seen devastating consequences in places like Syria and South Sudan and Somalia. We know the conflict that already exists in these places. Is climate solely responsible for that? Well, of course not, but it's unquestionably a contributing factor. We know sea level rise threatens island nations. We can plan and be smarter and we have to be able to anticipate where things are headed. It's the old Wayne Gretzky quote that you skate to where the puck's going to be, not where it's been. Other examples are Arctic melt. We know that there are enormous implications for geopolitical uncertainty and that China and Russia have declared the Arctic as strategically important. So it comes as no surprise that the Arctic is an important priority for the U.S. Coast Guard. When we're talking about investments in roads and bridges and hospitals or infrastructure of any type, we have to build climate risk into that decision-making process and recognize that rising temperatures puts additional stress on regions and environments that are already hot, dry, and arid. All right. And I just want to go back to the Arctic for a minute, because that seems to embody all of the issues that you've been talking about. One, if it is more watery, then there's more shipping and more strategic use of military assets traveling back and forth through there. I think that's what you might mean when you refer to Russia being very active up there. So we can't change that overnight. What's going to happen is going to happen there. So it seems like maybe the United States needs to pivot in some way. Well, the, the Arctic is, is, is multidimensional when we, when we think about that, because there, there are not only numerous natural resources in, in that region 
around energy and of course the fishing industry, but melting ice has implications for accessibility and activity. Right now, it's not an easy place to navigate and get around. So mel melting ice, not only from a temperature perspective and, and natural consequence, but, but also just we can expect a lot more activity in that region. So it's, it's not hard to imagine a, a future where, you know, weather and climate is really changing there and, uh, you know, changing the dynamic for our military and, and Coast Guard. And, you know, the agencies that invest in overseas in capital, such as USAID, the State Department, the U.S. International Development Finance Corporation, formerly OPIC, we've seen that in many areas they have difficulty sustaining their capital investments. There was just a report out from SIGAR in Afghanistan that almost a third of the investments have crumbled away into nothing, perhaps not because of climate reasons, but it shows how difficult it is to make those kinds of decisions so that what is invested in using taxpayer dollars is sustainable. So talk about the idea of building climate resilience into these types of works that the United States does from a humanitarian or aid standpoint throughout the world. Yeah, so what, what we're talking about there, Tom, is that when we look at climate in terms of investment, it's important to assign risk and uh, financial terms to, to those investments. And what's interesting about being able to do that is that as recently as five years ago, it was nearly impossible to do downscaling analysis or the ability to predict climate risks and impacts on small geographic areas. It was almost impossible. Today, we're able to leverage the best scientific data available from places like NOAA and NASA and other highly respected science organizations. So we can use statistical techniques to the point where we can explore really intricate and challenging questions about an organization's risks and the investments that they're making and the danger of potential climate, whether it's now or sometime in the future. And, and, I, and I would add to that, that, you know, this stuff is, is not easy. Um, if it was, everyone would be doing it. We, we can't expect every government agency to have a climate scientist on hand to inform their plans and, and programs, uh, prepare them for the future. That's why organizations like LMI are here to assist our government partners in determining the impacts, being able to quantify them, impacts on operations, and to develop plans for the future. What are things going to look like? How are things go, have, going to have to adjust? What impacts are there going to be? And with the recent executive orders, uh, every government agency is required to consider climate in their plans. Uh, for the intelligence community and the Department of Defense, uh, they need to know and to understand how climate change is going to impact their operational environments and inform, uh, to be able to inform policymakers on certainties, probabilities, and possibilities. And, and that's something that data really is all about, being able to quantify these, uh, these impacts and potential consequences. Uh, we can't afford to have unknown unknowns out there going into the future. All right, and we're gonna get into more detail on some of those analytical and data questions. Right now, we'll take a short break. My guests today are Dr. Erwin Villiger. He's a pr principal for sustainability at LMI. And John Selman is the vice president for national security programs at LMI. I'm your moderator, Tom Tem, and this discussion is how climate analytics can strengthen national security, sponsored by LMI here on Federal News Network. 
LMI is dedicated to powering a future-ready, high-performing government. For 60 years, we have served federal agencies, delivering solutions tailored to their missions in defense, national security, and health care. With expertise in digital and analytic solutions, logistics, and management advisory services, LMI helps customers grow, transform, and become more ready and resilient. Let us help you overcome today's challenges and anticipate tomorrow's. Visit us at LMI.org. Welcome back to our discussion, How Climate Analytics Strengthens National Security, sponsored by LMI here on Federal News Network. My guests today are John Selman, the Vice President for National Security Programs at LMI, and Dr. Erwin Villiger, a Principal for Sustainability at LMI. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And before the break, we were talking about the use of data and data analytics to kind of understand the climate effects overseas and how United States national security posture and its investments that various uh, agencies make overseas can have climate resilience built in. But I guess the fundamental question is, how do you get started in all of this, in data and analytics? What data sets, what algorithms, and maybe what programmatic approach do you need to build this into decision-making? John? Yeah, Tom, thank you. So there, there's clearly a place for running scenarios around emerging climate threats and implications of rising temperature predictions. And you have to keep in mind that many of the predictions made in recent years are happening much faster than scientists predicted. So that, that should give us reason to really wanna dive into this much sooner uh, than, uh, than, than we thought necessary based on estimates from the best science of the day. And Erwin? Yeah, I know a component of that is, you know, understanding that climate uh, and climate change doesn't just manifest itself in, in a trend to slowly warming and slow, you know, slow increases in drought and stuff like that. There really are kind of two overlying factors that impact or determine what kind of impacts we're going to have. One is, yes, the trend of warming, which does impact temperatures, does impact uh, precipitation and uh, consequent, you know, droughts or flooding events. But there's also an increase in variance where you end up with the potential for more frequent and more extreme uh, weather events, similar to what we've seen in uh, Texas here in, in recent months and, uh, and a number of other, you know, cases. And while we may not think that those affect national security, they unquestionably do. If we uh, look at the flooding of off at Air Force Base, uh, the, the base of operations for STRATCOM, while STRATCOM was not directly impacted uh, in, in its operations, it certainly could have been with the degree of flooding that, that went along in that area. So being able to bring data to bear to not only understand what the trends look like, but how increased variation is going to increase the occurrence of what were once considered 100 year or even 500 year storms. Uh, the persistence of droughts in certain areas of the world that may have an impact on, on food production. Uh, to date, we've generally only had impacts on food production in uh, you know, select areas of the world, but what happens when we have multiple bread baskets affected at the same time? It is the kind of thing that, again, we need to be thinking about and planning for, and that really gets down to looking at the data and analyzing uh, the data to be able to quantify these risks so that we are not surprised when it happens. Now, federal agencies have been appointing chief data officers to answer, to help agencies come up with data-based, evidence-based 
decision-making and solutions to the mission challenges they face. But this is a subtle question in some ways, even though the macro effects might be obvious, but what data sources do you use? What kinds of analytics do you do on them to get at these questions that are just not something that are coming out of the mission systems that the agencies use to generate their day-to-day operational data? Yeah, this is a great question, Tom. And I, for, for us, what we always tell people is there's no reason to be unprepared. We have data tools and models where we can predict a wide range of scenarios related to climate risk based on data that's been collected by our government for decades. Uh, the, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, has collected climate data records and all sorts of uh, weather and climate-related information for years and years and years. It's carefully curated by uh, highly trained uh, academic uh, practitioners in this area. And the data is there. And we, we, we know how to think through potential impacts, such as increasing temperature and drought and sea level rise and inundation and the potential negative effects of increasingly severe weather events. Yeah, so that means the data sources are there. It's just a matter of selecting the right ones and then integrating it with your decision-making. And what about the algorithms that help you do that? Where do you obtain those? And do you hire LMI to write them? Or how does that all work? We're, you know, in, in, in that context, it really is case-dependent. Um, what is the issue that is being assessed? What is the appropriate data to bring to bear? And what are the best or appropriate analytic techniques in there. Uh, it, you know, from a data science perspective, it, it really runs the, the full spectrum. Uh, LMI has a, a data science and analytic service that uh, goes from just you know, statistical analysis and modeling all the way up to machine learning and AI and platform uh, development. So there's no one pat answer. It's really about having the expertise to understand what are the appropriate uh, models, what are the appropriate algorithms to, to bring to bear? And, and ideally, I mean, fundamentally, being able to put them uh, and implement them in systems where the, our government partners don't necessarily need to uh, concern themselves with the underlying models. They are provided with data and answers that are scientifically driven and uh, verified, uh, and they can use that information to, to develop their plans and programs and, uh, and find the answers that, that are needed uh, for how to operate going into the future. So uh, another important message with this is that we have been at this for years and uh, the complexity of this data means that it's difficult to get up on the learning curve quickly. And so I, I think the benefit of having LMI do analysis like this is our deep understanding having worked and collaborated with many of the leading scientific organizations in the country and world who really are, are the very best at collecting and curating this data for, for beneficial use to answer questions like the ones we're talking about. Because the agency does have to be fine-grained in the application of analytics. I was, again, to use the example of Afghanistan, not because it's a climate issue necessarily, but it does show the range of types of things that the United States tends to invest in overseas. And it ranges from schools to office parks, to warehouses, to runways, to roadways, to bridges, even radio and communications towers, even fleets of trucks and aircraft. 
So there's a lot of investment types that happen, and each one of those has to have a different planning and resilience figure, I would think, to to be able to be effective and to make sure that you're, the, the way that you structure that investment has to do with what it is you're actually investing in. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the areas where we've had a lot of uh, success is looking at, at military uh, installations and infrastructure. I mentioned earlier the the F-35 uh, fighter platform, that's precisely what we were looking at. There was all of the elements of supporting infrastructure that allow that platform to operate. Um, we can also you know, look in a more general sense, but uh, assess, assess hazards and provide uh, guidance on where investments have the greatest impact. Uh, under what circumstances should we be looking at uh, abandoning particular areas or facilities or at least uh, changing our operational profiles there. Um, where are the investments most valuable in ensuring that facilities are, are viable in the future? And this, again, applies both domestically and abroad. These are questions planners in the national security space need to be asking and getting answers to. And one of the things LMI does is help provide those answers. And in the time we have left, let's discuss some of the policy and law changes that might need to happen to create a better framework for this analytical approach to climate effects on what happens overseas. Well, you know, climate is a, a global issue. The climate risks that we face are a global issue and it's gonna require a global response. You know, certainly rejoining the Paris Accord is vital uh, because the US is not just a partner in this, we really do need to be a leader. Uh, carbon tax certainly might be a, a good uh, good thing. We know that um, identifying best practices globally can help support policy that can drive change. And this is really where we need to identify areas where we, as a government, uh, as a country, are investing to have the greatest impact. And that really depends on data-driven policy making. Uh, climate analytics comes into play. Certainly policy has to accommodate politics, but it also needs to be driven by data. And if the data tells us we need to make difficult policy decisions, the data can also provide us the means for driving policies that will make those decisions easier. If you're going to be shutting down uh, coal operations, for example, investing in that same location with the uh, manufacturing wind generators is a, uh, is a solution that might help mitigate the impact of trying to change our energy mix. Our Climate IQ service is evolving into a climate informatics platform that will assist our government in understanding the impacts of climate change, the consequences of climate inaction, and provide the basis for data-driven policy and tangible government actions that will make America safer and more resilient. And John, the final word? Just from a framework perspective, I would say that we need a governance framework to assess, translate, coordinate, and prepare. That's the role that government can play. And from an LMI standpoint, we're prepared to lend our expertise in analytics and modeling, partnering with industry and using the best scientific data of the day. All right. I want to thank today's guest. Interesting discussion. Lots to think about. John Selman is the Vice President for National Security Programs at LMI, and Dr. Erwin Villiger is a Principal for Sustainability at LMI. I'm Tom Temin. You've been listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search LMI. 
Thank you for listening to the discussion, How Climate Analytics Strengthen National Security, sponsored by LMI on Federal News Network. LMI is dedicated to powering a future-ready, high-performing government. For 60 years, we have served federal agencies, delivering solutions tailored to their missions in defense, national security, and health care. With expertise in digital and analytic solutions, logistics, and management advisory services, LMI helps customers grow, transform, and become more ready and resilient. Let us help you overcome today's challenges and anticipate tomorrow's. Visit us at LMI.org.